This episode of RZ Weekly is brought to you by Kita for Home Plus. We all know families whose children are not studying in formal Jewish education for any number of reasons. Could be COVID, could be the school wasn't right for them, could be financial, but they still are looking for a meaningful Jewish learning solution for their children. That's why we created Kita for Home Plus. Kita for Home Plus is modeled after the world-famous Khan Academy using flipped learning, YouTube videos, and Google Forms to allow children to learn classic Judaic subjects, Mishnah, Chumash, and Gemara, on their own time, on their own schedule, in a way that's exciting and meaningful for them to learn. We're starting a new semester of Kita for Home called Kita for Home Plus, in which children will learn three courses, Mishnah, Chumash, and Gemara, each week, plus have a Zoom lesson to meet with the teacher, that would be me, as well as interact with other students in the class. Kitab for Home lessons are designed for students in middle school from grades five through grades eight and focus on basic skills, decoding of text, understanding of shorashim, critical skills that children need that serve as a foundation for Jewish learning throughout their lives. To learn more, log on to kita.org slash home plus. That's kita, K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G slash home plus. And now back to the show. Another edition of RC Weekly, our post Chagim edition. We're back, better than better than ever. No, we're just as good as we've always been. We'll say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you all had a great. Molly, you didn't expect that, did you? Okay. <laughs> I hope you had a. All had a it's great. Like a good setter that was modest or not modest, all depending uh, on how you look at it. I guess it depends on the. Uh, it's all in the eye of the listener. Hope they agree. Okay, we're here with, as you've just heard from, Harav Anit Malibrowski, who is a Jewish educator specializing in Tanakh and Machshevet Israel. She's also a clinical social worker with a private practice in Gustzion. And this year, she's serving as a field advisor to YU's Wurzweiler School of Social Work in Israel. Hello, Mali. Hello. How was your job? Baruch Hashem. Good, very nice. Okay, we're here with Rabbi Johnny Solomon. Rabbi Johnny Solomon is a teacher at Midrash at Lindenbaum, MTVA and Matan, an editor at Mosaic Press, a virtual rabbi, a, oh, I'm sorry, a virtual rabbi, and an independent Jewish edu- educational consultant. Whatever. I, no, he said a virtual well, rabbi. Aren't we all? In his, um, in his robot. Aren't we all? A virtual rabbi. I said, like, I'm, I'm just imagining you like those... Um, you know that what's that website that has all this Torah and animations, and that you appear in animations, and then people can like ask you questions on your robot thing and the text in the bottom. That's what I think of like a virtual rabbi. It's not you know, one day I'll explain. No, that's such a website. Yeah. So anyway, beyond this, Rav Johnny writes a daily thought in Daf Yomi and is a posting in the local shul in Shmuel. Hello, Rav Johnny. Hope you are well. Hello, hello. My name is Ruben. Oh, My name is Ruben Spalter. I am the director of the Rimonim Teacher Training Program at. Herzog Academic College in Israel. So just, by the way, if you're wondering, we're starting, if you're an educator and listening now, we're starting, I'll just give a little uh, log rolling push for, we're starting two new courses this week, actually. And so we're behind in advertising. One of them is being taught by Dr. Shana Strauch-Chick on teaching halacha, which is quite exciting. And another is a course, this is for teachers and educators. Another is a course in how to teach Hebrew texts in an English speaking classroom. And it's a quite an interesting uh, course. I'm very excited and very proud that we developed it. If you're interested, you know how to reach me on all the WhatsApp, on the webs and whatever. Also, I'm the Shoreshim Director of Tsohar and the Founder Director of Kita.org. If your kids are not in Jewish day school, they should probably be studying in Kita and uh, reach out to me for that as well. I want to talk to you. We, we were, uh, since we've last spoken, our Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, has been in New York twice. And both times highlighted for me, and I think for all of us, uh, the notion that, not the notion that, the, 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 the fact that Bennett is a, for whatever we call in Israel, a chovesh kippah. 
he is a he is personally observing. And I don't just I'm not just saying this because that's something that I noticed. The first time that Bennett went, he went to, for his uh, his visit with uh, Joe Biden in the White House and his office. You know, I'm going going back weeks, so I don't know if you all remember his office has issued a tweet. They tweeted out a picture of Bennett in I don't know wherever he was in his hotel looking out over Washington in Talit and Tfilin, right? You remember this, Johnny? Um, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, so um, it's not that I'm making a big deal out of it. They made a big deal out of it. And they, they really did. And they promoted this idea that here is Bennett davening before, whatever. They, they didn't say anything, but it garnered a tremendous amount of response. Then Bennett went for, he went for, um, he went for the UN. He spoke at the General Assembly of the UN, felt they needed to speak. And, um, and again, because it was Erev Shemini Atzeret, he stayed for Yantif. And there was a beautiful article in the Jerusalem Post about Bennett's vi- visit to KJ. And, you know, the reporters, the reporters love Bennett. It's just really interesting how much they love him. I think they love him mostly because he's not Bibi Netanyahu. But th- this, again, this idea that he's a, he is a, a, a prime minister who goes to shul and gives speeches. And especially the English-speaking community loves it. And I thought this was an important opportunity to try to figure out, do we care? I'm a religious Jew. Obviously, I care that every Jew is Shomer Torah and Mitzvot. But is it important or significant that the, that the prime minister of Israel eats kosher as opposed to not eating kosher or wears a yarmulke on his head? Do I care about it or not? So I think I just want to start this way. Molly, do you care? So the truth is, I... I was kind of struggling with your question, and I was just, I, I, so I started by thinking about like Bennett himself, um, because like the way you kind of phrased it is like, do we care that we have this first religious prime minister or this religious prime minister? Yes. Right. I don't want to interrupt you. I just also, it's very important for me. I don't want to talk about the politics. Yeah. This is not a political show. Right? Yes. So I just want to, I want to sort of set the ground rules for our listeners. Like a lot of people, when they think about Bennett, they, they like obviously he's a politician, so the the politics obviously play a huge role. But I want to sort of, like, if it's possible at all, in this discussion, to divorce it from the politics and say, and say okay, that being said, I just want to sort of, that's important ground framework in order to, to, right. to, okay. to have this so, discussion. So I agree with you 100%. So I don't want to talk about the politics, but I do want to talk about how Bennett is perceived in Israel, because I think that for me, that's a big part of this question of Bennett as the first religious prime minister, which is, first of all, he didn't. He didn't actually run for a prime minister. If you And again, forget the politics of how he became prime minister. Nobody expected Bennett was going to be the prime minister. There was no expect. He wasn't. It, was, it wasn't like a. Actually, like a, he the, did the run for prime minister. He did. Nobody he thought did. he would be prime he minister. He did. He did. But I'm just saying, like, it wasn't a Robin, you know, Paris runoff or a BB, no, right. you know, anybody else runoff. Um, he, he kind of became prime minister by surprise. And why do I think that that's important? Because what I'm saying is. I don't think the country views him primarily as, I don't think they view his identity as primarily religious. He's not like, you know, let's say a Chaver Knesset from Shas who would be running and it would be like his persona is that he's religious. I think Naftali Bennett's, Bennett's persona is whatever his persona is, which is a political persona, which we won't talk about the politics, but it's, you know, a right wing persona. But what I think is fascinating is that I think in the Israeli conception, he just happens to also be a chavish kippah. He, he happens to be religious. And I actually find that quite fascinating, meaning I think it, it speaks to, to a lot of what we've been talking about on this podcast in general about the role of, of, the, um, of, of religiosity, religion, um, observance in the modern state of Israel, where it's like, Yes, once he's a president, once he's prime minister, I'll put out a, a tweet with him where, you know, with with, with Atalus and Tfilin. But like, it's not an issue in the way that you would expect it to be. Right. It's it's kind of like he also happens to, to wear a kippah. But but and again, I think that's because of who Bennett is. I think it's also because his his pers- again, as I said, his persona is not only religious. And why do I think that's important? A, because, as I said, it reflects something about Israeli society. We're like at this point. You could have a prime minister who's religious, and it's like it just kind of is. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the other piece, and 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 I want to say one other thing because this is kind of interesting. This actually, I'm going to tell you that, that I asked my husband before we 
pod, podcast. I said, what do you think about the fact that Bennett's religious? And he, and I said to him, my take on it is that he happens to be religious. Like he's fundamentally a prime minister who also happens to be religious, with, which I think says a lot about Israeli society. And I also think in a positive way about the way, the, you know, not, religious people have become accepted into Israeli society. But he also said something else. He's like, I'm actually glad that his primary identity and persona is not religious because there are too many politicians who claim to be speaking in the name of religion and they say things in the name of religion that we don't necessarily agree with. And he's not claiming to do that, right? And again, I know you don't want to get political, but I will name one political persona who does that very much, who is Bitsalo Smutrich. Love him or hate him. Nebraska family is not the biggest fan of Bitsalo Smutrich. His whole political persona (laughs) is based on I'm speaking in the name of religion, right? And that's kind of dangerous when, as we know, and as I'm sure Johnny will say, religion does not have one one face and it doesn't have only one persona, right? And then the Kharina speak in religion. And that often when religion and politics mix, it does more harm than good. So there's a kind of like a mixed blessing in the fact that like Bennett's running and his his identity and the way he carries himself and the messages he give he gives are that he's fundamentally who he is, his ideology, and one piece in his resume is that he happens to be religious. Um, and I find that interesting and when, when I think about it, actually positive. Okay, uh, I, I actually, I have a response to you, but I, I wanna go right to Johnny. I wanna ask you the exact same question. Johnny, do you care that the prime minister of Israel wears a kippah? Um, I care that the prime minister of Israel is observant of fundamental Torah laws. Uh, wearing a kippah, I think is, is something which, as we know, is much more symbolic than necessarily. No, but that's what I mean. That he's Shomer Torah, whatever, Shomer Shabbat, whatever, whatever degree. Do you care that the Prime Minister of Israel, the Shomer Mitzvot, I don't care if he wears a kippah or not. It's actually very small. Nobody uh, noticed I, that it stays on his head. And like, he so. talks about right, how it exactly. stays on his head. It's particularly small, yes. Yes, um, uh, yes I care. I, I, I care in, in a meaningful way. That doesn't mean, of course, that I care more of this uh, Prime Minister than others. Uh, that doesn't mean that because he's religious, everything that he says, I agree with. But obviously, I take pride in the fact we have a prime minister who not only attends synagogue and, and davens, but makes an effort to create uh, you know, prayer opportunities even when he's stuck in Washington, um, which uh, I, I think is impressive and inspiring. I would, though, want to briefly follow wait, up. Wait, on wait, wait, wait. Before you follow up on Molly, why do you care? Because we're a Jewish state, because uh, what that means is we have religious, um, a religious heritage, which I think has fallen by the wayside. Unfortunately, it's falling by the wayside uh, with the younger generations. And to see somebody in the most significant position of power who is able to fuse their religious identity with an active role in, in leading a state, uh, that highlights how those two identities are possible. And, and so let me just briefly go back to what Mali was saying. You see, in recent decades, not even just years, um, there's been a presumption that religious people always adopt a very specific type of politics. And though it's not my place and this isn't the right forum to discuss the politics of Naftali Bennett, he doesn't quite fit that mold. Partially he does, but in many ways he doesn't. Uh, and therefore, his politics are unpredictable, notwithstanding the fact that he's religious. And that demonstrates that he's an independent-thinking religious person. Um, and he has not, in a significant way, I don't think, uh, I don't think one could say never, weaponized his religion uh, or, or, or harnessed his religion in order to simply achieve uh, progress in politics. And in a world where that is what's happened in terms of religious people and personalities, I think what the wide Israeli society see is somebody who is able to fuse pride in Israel, activism in all manners, uh, uh, involvement, understanding on every uh, level and layer of Israeli society with pride in, uh, in how they live as an observant Jew. And we haven't seen that for a while in many people uh, and it's refreshing. That doesn't mean, you know, I'm putting his picture up in my sukkah as one of the great tzaddikim to whom I look up to. But nevertheless, we look for people. When we talk about being a religious Zionist, you know, as, as I've mentioned before, there are many different definitions of that. I think there are many different religious Zionisms. 
But what he's saying is, I'm passionate, I'm Zionist, absolutely, I'm religious. And I think those work beautifully together, but neither am I totally predictable. I'm not a singular product of a particular yeshiva that you can know what I'm going to say before I say it. And I think that makes him uh, a worthy ambassador for the Jewish people and one which is refreshing for many of us. Uh, Robert, okay. Can I just say one thing before? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. I'm, I'm like, sorry, you know, I'll give you a chance I, to speak, but I just. I, I, it's fine. It's totally fine. Okay, because you know, I just want to add two things. One is that we have had prime ministers before who have also been very proud of their Masoret. Um, Menachem Begin was very much like that. And it, Bibi, right? Bibi went to Shul. There was always, you know, pictures of him where, you know, whatever Shul he was in on, whatever Chag it was. He was extremely proud of his Tanakh learning. Um, I'm just saying, he, he, he. There have been prime ministers before who have, who have been proud of their, who have you know insisted on kosher food, whatever it is. And I think Bennett is more in that mold than in the I am a I am standing for religion mold, notwithstanding the fact that he identifies as a religious Zionist. And I just want to give an interesting anecdote and make of this what you will, which is that some when, when Bennett left Habayit Hayudi and founded Yamina. Right? Do you remember that? Right? He, he, he. Mm-hmm. So, what I heard the scuttlebutt around the Shabbos table, right, was that he had consulted a specific rav, and a specific rav said to him, "You will never be prime minister if you run as the head of the National Religious Party, because then you're sectarian. You need to be running not as a religious figure. You need to be running as a, um, you know, whatever word you want to call it, right? A, a, a generic." party figure who happens to be religious and Mr. Bear that that Rav was right and I think that that's interesting in terms of thinking about this question of how you know when you in that again religion is part of his persona but it's not all of his persona and just answer your question am I glad to have it yeah I'm glad I'm and I'm glad that it's like this I'm glad that it's like just another piece of what it means to be a, a, a leader of the Jewish state is that you also happen to be observant of Torah and Mitzvot that's that's lovely so I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think I think it's really interesting because what I did mention is that, that for people who live in this in Israel, there are these like websites in the in the Dati Leumi world. Two made two major websites, but also the fam- the big one is Arut Sheva. The two other websites called Kipa and Surugim. Do you ever follow those two websites? Molly's nodding. You know, even sure, Virginia reads that much more than I do. <laughs> okay, uh, and. Every like week, there'll be an article on another srug is means somebody who wears a kippah sruga. Another knitted kippah wearer has been appointed to some major position in the army or some something something in the army or you know what I'm saying? Like it's always an item. It's always news, and it, it always bugs me when it becomes news because like really like aren't we aren't beyond that? But apparently we're not beyond that. But then when Bennett became prime minister, nobody ever was like, like, wow, he became prime minister, but nobody's like, oh, like it was not a thing. It was really interesting that it's, that it's not a thing. And I, I, of course, agree. I, like, I'm trying to think to myself, do I, do I, I care that Naftali Bennett is Shomer Mitzvot? Just like I care, like everybody is Shomer Mitzvot. I, like I want Jews to be proud of their heritage. And I guess, yes, it's true that it's nice that the prime minister of Israel values Jewish tradition and Jewish practice. That's important to me too. But I think what my question really is, is, and and Molly has already tried to answer this for Johnny, does the fact that a prime minister is personally observant, does that drive in some way his leadership of the Jewish state? Or really that's completely like it's, yes, you're religious, but has no relevance vis-a-vis the way you lead the country. Meaning, like, if I go back to the original source, you know, the Torah says, you know, that the Melech, the Katavlo, at Mishneh, Torah, Sefer, Bo, Kol that the idea that the the king has this has has the Sefer Torah with him at all times, that guides him in his leadership. That's a source of guidance, and it's a source of of what kind of leader you're going to be. So. I think to myself, on the one hand, yes, I'm interested that Naftali Bennett or whoever it is, or Bibi Netanyahu or the next prime minister, I want it to be Shomer Mitzvot. I agree with what, what both of you said, that I want him to, to represent the idea of pride in Jewish tradition and pride in Jewish values and pride in Shemirat HaMitzvot. But I, more I want his religiosity to 
to be a be a factor in how he leads our country. And well, I'm not. Tr- I'm trying to figure why out think, why do you think it isn't. Well, I would. Well, okay, go ahead, Johnny. Well, based on what Molly said, based on what Molly said, what Molly said really is, he happens to be religious. Right, which I think is true about Naftali Bennett. Right. What the issues that do you understand made. what I'm saying? I mean, do you understand? Yeah. I, I don't know. I wanted to master benefits. Well, what you're describing is the Melech HaMashiach, right? That's what you were saying is what you want. And what I would come back to you with and and say is like, Rav Luchenstein has this line, which I think is at once absolutely powerful and at the same time almost impossible for people to live up to, where he says a man's or a person's religion means everything or it means nothing, right? Now, th- what he means by that sentence is that if, in Rav Luchenstein's perspective, if you are truly a religious person, then your sense of avodat Hashem, of service of God, is going to inform every single thing you do, every single second of the day, right? And so, and and it sounds Ruby like that's why I'm saying you're talking to Melech Hamashiach. Like that's what you're describing, ideally, right? And and it's not about narrowly, well, oh, because he's religious, so therefore he believes in Medinat Halacha. This is not about Medinat Halacha, right? And, right. And no, no, I'm not talking about Medinat Halacha. It means like, do you serve the people? With an eye, when, and everything is is through this lens of service of God, and and I would say also of, of a striving to be having excellence in personal character, because I think that that's what ultimately service of God means. And I I, I don't know that Naftali Bennett is that person, but your longing for that person, I think, is a, is a, is a, is a, is appropriate. I think we all should long for that, leading to lead the Jewish state. I think, and again, that's why I'm saying, like, I think that's the ideal that we're looking for. And I don't think we're quite there yet. And I don't mean that as an indictment of Naftali Bennett. I just, I think that, that, that it's, it, your impulse, I agree with. Johnny. You say, but you say you don't know whether he is that. And, and obviously it's not our place to judge others and certainly somebody we don't even uh, know personally. But how would one know that? I mean, put it this way. There are, there are religious leaders who most certainly their job qualification is to be impeccable in midot and in shmerta mitzvot, um, you know, in, in which me- way can we can we know that for sure? Is it ever possible to know that? Is it not that the instruction to them that that's what they should strive to be, and we should know that every person uh, fails or, or endeavors towards that goal, but doesn't always necessarily achieve. So, it. As, so, so I have to answer you, Johnny, because like I actually I was str- I struggle with this question. The reason I wanted to talk about it is because it's I don't think there's a right answer here. But and, and we said we keep politics out of it. But in a, in a way, you really can't, because Molly mentioned at the very beginning, nobody expected Bennett to become prime minister. And then how did Bennett become prime minister? He essentially turned his back on his voters. He violated his explicit promise not to do what he was going to do. And so, Johnny, if you say religious, I think this is, I have a sense that this is deep down very much bothers a, a lot of religious Zionists, really bothers them, and is one of the reasons why he's not celebrated as a religious Zionist. Because essentially, exactly what you said, Johnny, a religious person doesn't just wear a kippah and put on talit and tefillin. That's not what it's about. A religious person, and maybe this is impossible, and maybe it's Melech HaMashiach, has to rise above the political fray and be honest, and at least say the truth or fulfill his word. Yeah, but what you've just basically said is the, the migzal that has allowed itself over the past few decades to become incredibly migzari is frustrated that somebody who they thought was representing their migzal actually took the choice and said, maybe I want to represent beyond that. No, 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 no. That's not what you're saying. Ruby said to be a politician... And this, I think, is true. I remember hearing this about it. No, I, I mean, said. maybe, like, like, I was listening to, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Molly. just just because there was a Chavar Knesset, there was also a Rav and also a, a Chavar Knesset, and I forgot the story exactly, but it's either that he, he like, insisted that, like, when he was a Rav, be called a Rav, and when he was a Chavar Knesset, be called a Chavar Knesset, or the opposite, I forgot, like, that he was like, no, you no, I, th- I think I know what you're talking about. I think he said, don't call me a Rav, like, uh, because, because you can't okay. be both. Right, and then I forgot somebody else said no, but that's Yeah, but no, that's true, people, you can't be a representative religion. But that's a but problem. But no, but you, but you can... No, you can. I, that's what, you don't no, have to lie. Mean, you can compromise. He didn't mean. There's a difference I, between the difference between lying. I mean, now what it's I'm saying. He didn't mean because now I'm now I'm talking politics and not you know giving a drusha. He meant because, and this is a hard question, right? Like, is do we think? And I would ask you guys what you think. Do we think that to be a good politician, 
you have to be a person who's going to be willing to compromise on ethics. Do we think that a, a very ethical person can actually succeed in politics? I'm not sure. And again, I think Lichtenstein had the opinion that really you, you couldn't vote for a, somebody, a politician, a politician who has um, ethical like flaws. But I think that with time, I'm starting to feel that unfortunately, the good guys drop out of politics. And so I'm not sure that good politicians and like you need a tremendous amount of ego. You need to be willing to lie. It's a dirty game politics. And so right, I'm hold on. Let's stop for, I'm gonna stop for a second. We're going to take a break. We'll take a very, a very quick break and a message from either Johnny or me. I don't remember which one. Molly, well, you know, maybe I don't know. If you know. <laughs> <laughs> Molly has no ads. OK, and we'll come back right after this. Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ila, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one -one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. Okay, we're back. Um, Molly was talking about, can you be an ethical politician today? So it's really interesting. I was oh, just ever. listening today. Wait, I was listening today to the, to the, I listened now recently to the Commentary Magazine podcast. You would like it, Molly. I don't know. And that was the exact topic. Do people just lie now more than they used to? And, and she brought, wait, wait, listen, listen, let me finish, let me finish, let me finish, let me finish. Okay. Do people, they rem, she remember the whole brouhaha with Bill Clinton? that he said, I did not, whatever. If you think about it deeply, it was such a deep point. Clinton was trying to find the language where he didn't lie, where he just, he, he, where he was trying to find a way to say what he wanted to say without admitting what he did, without actually coming out and lying. But if you think about nowadays, a politician would never try to do that. He would, they just lie. They just come out and say falsehood, that the world, and they were coming about this, has changed in some way that what it used to, we used to expect, like we knew our politicians, we knew that they stretched the truth and we know that they have to make compromises. I think that's, I don't think that's a flaw in a politician. I think that's a, that's part and parcel of what it means to be a politician. But, now, but we're, we're way beyond that. We're, we're way beyond making compromises. We're now to the point where people just lie. They tell falsehood and that's antithetical to religion. And I would expect, yes, my representative not to, not to make a promise explicitly to his voters and then say, oh, well, I changed my mind. I would, yes, I'm sorry. And I, if there's no way for that person to become, prevented to become prime minister, to rise to prominence from nothing, then okay, maybe not. Like, I think there is a way. I think that you can. One second. I think changing your mind and lying are the same oh, thing. Oh, come on. He didn't change. On the he contrary. Changed, he changed his mind saying literally to somebody, three days I, after he made the promise. I'm, I'm well aware. I was but here. He, I, he, I watched, said, yeah. he said, I'm not going to do it. And then he did it. I, I listened to his words. But I, think, but I think we're <laughs> conflating two different things. The fact that he, he, he said one thing and then said a different thing. And both were very, very bullet. Meaning these were not hidden behind any doors. These were literally in our face, right? In the microphones. That's not a lie. That's a, a recognition that the journey I was on until now, I've reconsidered. Now, very I'd generous. actually say the following. We, I, no, I would say the Even following. Mali I'm not trying to offend him. I, I, what, what bothers me is, and, and this is something which a, a number of, of people have spoken about in, in, uh, in recent political history, is the greatest flaw of politicians is their inability to change their position when they realize they're wrong. Actually, uh, uh, putting aside how people from, from different groups feel about this particular individual politician, I would far, far rather a politician or any leader who thinks they're right up to a particular point and then change their mind say, I, th I think I've changed my mind. Okay, but Johnny, you know, then I know where I stand. Do you really think, that, do you think, I I'm asking you both a larger question. 
Have there been successful public, like I'm thinking of, and I will use a, a name, Benny Bagan, extremely ethical person, couldn't make it in politics, right? He basically just crashed and burned. Can you guys think of someone who, I remember I, I wrote a paper in ninth grade for whatever it was about Ben-Gurion versus Bagan. And what the, my final result was, Bagan was the better human being, Ben-Gurion was the more successful politician. Because Ben-Gurion was willing to do things like, you know, lechassel the irgun, right? Fire on the Altalena, things like that, right? And I'm wondering, again, like we have this vision in Tanakh. We have a vision in Tanakh that says, no, you're, you're meant to try to be both. You're meant to try to be a, a leader, a political leader, and, and also an exemplary ethical human being. And I'm asking you, because I don't have an answer, is that, do you actually think it's possible? Like, do we, ha- uh, uh, you know, like, is there another David HaMelech? And again, obviously David sinned, but then he, he repented. Uh, you know, I, but, but my, he tried, my, my, he tried my, so hard. But what other king besides David My my problem My problem is the following. You're asking a question. Did he succeed? About a country did he succeed? Yes, he did succeed. David <laughs> okay. succeeded. He, he but sinned. But one second, you're he asking apologized. a question about saying, a country who, then which is 70 plus years old. We've never had a successful... Marty, you're asking a, ca- a question about a country that's 70 plus years old, and you're basically being choshe b'kshirim and saying there is not one honest politician since beginning of the state until now. Since I don't know all of them. Successful. I don't know behind what goes behind closed doors, but I'm not prepared to be choshe b'kshirim. I'm quite I'm sure there great, are. The fact leaders. is, though, do I think... Let's step back. I think we have to say there's a difference, really. There's a difference between... The, I, agree, I agree with John. You can change your mind. I, obviously, a politician can change your mind. They can sort of adjust their thinking. Things are different from the inside than they are from the outside. That's very different from, I promise I won't do X. And then I got elected and I now do X. I, I, I personally feel that those are different things. I really do. That's not part of a journey. You, can't, you don't have a journey like that in, literally in the course of a day. I, I, I don't and see also, that. Johnny, wait, wait, let me, I, let me, I'm not let me finish. negative things about Bennett, but he doesn't, he doesn't present himself as like, like his 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 like trying to be this like religious persona. That's not what he is. He's right. I didn't say he is, but the, here we're talking about morality and I ethics. Understand, but we're, we're not measuring religiosity. But I'm saying, is that not? Um, is that not? Uh, uh, I, and therefore, how, any musag. But the point is the following: Do I know how politicians speak to their family behind closed uh, We're not doors? asking how they speak to right. their family. I'm asking how do, they speak to. Do the, I know how their, how financially honest they are in terms of their own personal dealings? The answer, the proof of this, by the way, over the past few decades is we don't know until many years afterwards. I, I'm not trying to defend any individual person, but I think to to question the uh, the uh, ethical integrity of decades worth of Chavrei Knesset, based on what we think we know from the newspaper, is uh, is improper, truth okay, be told. So you, because you're just a kind because of I don't know people. Think, I just I think but politics is a dirty game. I just you, do. You're probably right in general, but nevertheless, I'm, I'm not prepared to say that only one individual over many, many years is somebody that I can put on a pedestal and say, this person is kosher. I agree Yasha. with you, Johnny, but would you expect someone who wears a kippah in the Knesset to be kosher v'yasher. Would you expect that? Because of his kippah. So yeah, but I want to stress it. Kosher v'yasher. If somebody wore that kippah and then either was convicted of embezzlement, as has happened, or lies to your face. First, again, I, 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 I think there's a difference between changing one's position, which may well aggrieve millions. Firstly, let's be perfectly clear. A politician who does that knows it comes at a tremendous cost, right? And this is a democracy. So by doing that, you take the punch, right? You take the hit of that. So it's not like a person does this and therefore sits uh, with a presumption nothing's going to change. They know that and they know that anything can change at any moment. When he was elected, uh, people talked about perhaps him staying in for weeks, perhaps months. Nobody knew quite what the future would be. So let's be clear that the Israeli government has proven itself so many times that it can be dismantled at a moment's notice, right? So the, it, we can say this was the most heinous crime he's no, done. So I, 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 I Halavai, because truth crime. be told, there have been plenty of politicians and other leaders topic, who've gone far, far worse on record. Our topic is, not, our topic on, on is not, is it a crime? Our topic is, does he represent the idea, ideals and ideals of Shomrei Mitzvot? And I, That's I don't the think, question. I, I, I think the answer is that people. There are some Shomrei Mitzvot who, who've 
who've, uh, you know, said very unkind things, you know, talked about Dati Light, questioned what person does in their pr private life. But as Mali said at the beginning, he's not trying to be the dogma of everything, right? Truth be told, I'm not trying to be the dogma of everything. I actually think when you're in the public light, you have one of two choices. One is pretend you're something you're not, or the other is be who you are, flaws and all. I think he's taken the latter. He's not trying to be the Rav Rashi. <laughs> okay, that's a whole different conversation, right? <laughs> he's not trying, he's trying to, he's saying, this is me. He brings his mother when they're doing the chisunim. He says, this is my mother, right? You have cameras where you meet his wife and children. This is my family. There is nothing, there's nothing hidden and untoward. You can say, I don't think that's a good representation of the prime minister's family, the prime minister's mother. That's your judgment. But rather than pretending to be something he's not, he's saying, this is who I am. Is he a yeshiva yungalite? No, his life journey is uh, different from some, uh, interesting to others. Um, but I think there's a transparency about him which we should welcome. Uh, whereby he's not trying to claim to be the voice of all religious people or the voice of all secular people. He's trying to be the voice of a democratic state, whereby notwithstanding the fact he has the mandate he has, even though we have a strange system where a very, very small amount of people actually voted for him, he's trying to say, now I'm in this position, I want to be your voice. And if he fails, he'll get kicked out. That's a short, I don't think oh, he speak, he's trying to be... Um, the voice of religion, uh, but nevertheless, I do think he's holding a baton for tradition in a way that Jews who are observant so far should broadly feel pride. However, that doesn't mean he, like any other human being, isn't worthy of criticism. And there have been some decisions that some people have questioned and said, how could he do this or why should he do this? And that's totally reasonable to have those conversations. But uh, the tafkid of Rosh Memshallah comes with a, a variety of responsibilities, for which, by the way, certain halachic caveats also apply, which for the average person do not. Ali, you want to respond? No, I just think that um, he, he's not, I agree with your impulse that, that really what we should have is a religious prime minister who embodies um, religion in, in, in its ethical sense and in its observance and that's not who he is, for, for all the reasons that we said. But that's not where we are. That's not where, who he is. And therefore, I think, kind of, I'm back to the same place where Johnny is. We're like, I'm not, I'm not expecting him to be that. I'm going to kind of evaluate him on his, I'm going to, I kind of separate those two things. I'm not disappointed when he flies on Shemini Atzeres. Not personally, right? Because I don't, I, I'm not invested in him in that way. I, again, I'm proud when he does us proud and when he does Judaism proud and religion proud, but I'm not invested him, in him in needing him to be my, my representative in that way because I'm not, I, I'm not expecting us to be at that place yet. For me right now, he's, he's, what we have is a prime minister, a politician who happens to also be, um, you know, Shomer Torah Mitzvot, however he defines it, and I'm going to take that, th those things as a bonus. But your question is based on the premise that I'm expecting a lot more from him, and I'm I'm just not whether because that's not where we are culturally. That's not who he is personally. That's not, you know, how like like for all kinds of reasons. It's just not how I'm evaluating him. So it's interesting because um, I shared I shared with you guys a J Post article that came out, a Jerusalem Post article that came out literally this morning about Venice's visit to New York, and they quoted um, Parkis Rabbi Benjamin Goldschmidt finishes serving by telling the congregation about hearing Bennett, and he said, he found him moving it was to see, to see and hear a kippah-clad Israeli prime minister talking about the Jewish people's connection to the Torah and to Israel. And I wonder, it's really interesting, I wonder if diaspora Jews are more moved by Bennett's kippah than Israeli Jews are, because we're, I, I, I actually, I, I reached out to, uh, I have a shir in Gemara, and I asked him this question, and it immediately got into the political question, immediately became political. And I think that Israelis have a difficulty divorcing one from the other because they because we live it and it's all all the time and you hear about it. Whereas in Chutzlaretz, you don't really hear about the internal politics. You don't really care about it that much. But when the Prime Minister of Israel comes to New York and speaks in an Orthodox shul and talks about the connection to Judaism and tradition, then they're like, oh, that makes, you know, makes you feel good. So I wonder if there's a, I wonder if this is like a one of these Israel Chutzlaretz dichotomies that that. You know, that and I don't want to. I don't want to denigrate, by the way, what the that, what the the impulse that the 
that you're describing within the Chutzlaretz, that there is something beautiful about it, there is something moving, you know, about it, there's something very symbolic about it, and it's it's worth something, it's maybe even worth a lot, but I think that you're also right, that, that because we know the complexities from the inside, we see a larger, more complex picture. Okay, I want to ask one last question, then we'll wrap it up, maybe a little early, we'll see how long this goes. I want to talk about the the, the picture that was promoted by by his own people. It was published by the prime minister's office of him with the tefillin and the talit. And that became an issue actually here in Israel on social media and in the media as well. I'll start with Johnny. Johnny, how do you feel about him promoting the fact that he's a religious person and using his religion to, I I don't know why. I mean, like, why do you think he's doing it? And how do you feel about him using his religion wearing it on his sleeve as it were on Twitter? Firstly, there's a lot of presumptions in that question. That he's a guy on his Twitter account posting his picture, right? Come on, there's a team. Wait, 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 right? wait a second. People... No, I, I'm sorry. He, without a doubt, knows about that. He did it in the campaign. He knew about the picture, and he knew that they he were. Know about the picture. And he knows that they're posting that kind of picture. If he want, Correct, if, if but... he felt, listen, I'm religious, but I don't wear my religion on my sleeve. I don't want that to be a part of who I am as a religious, as as a prime minister. It wouldn't be on there. So that I, 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 Correct. I do a, not. But there's a difference that. between he a, knows it an and he does it on without a doubt. And, I, and I, by the way, I'm not ju- making a judgment about that. It's a calculation on his part about how to promote himself. When when we first saw this picture, and we had a little bright, brief conversation, all three of us, uh, just saying this to our listeners. I said, and, and if you recall, Elia Franz said something similar. Uh, and, and we kind of said it was interesting that we, we were singing from the same hymn sheet. I said, listen, when I dove, and it's a very private thing, you know, and to have a camera there, I feel that kind of, Undermines what what I'm trying to do. I'm talking to Kodesh Baruch Hu, uh, and that's it's an intimate moment, uh, and for me that would be awkward. But I I don't know what it means to never have privacy. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means to have cameras on me twenty four seven. Um, I I can imagine though that when you're about to have probably at least at that point in time the most important meeting of your life representing the Jewish people with uh, the leader of the United States of America and you daven and you daven with uh, with uh, Kavana Kodesh should help you and somebody snaps a picture you can object no 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 you're, so no, Johnny, you're, you're misunderstanding my question I'm not worried about the I'm not, I'm not talking about the idea that somebody snapped this picture while he was davening that you know, what are you going to do people do it I'm talking about and this is not just Bennett I'm talking about going to the Kotel before you take your vote meaning using religion every politician does right? this that's not just religious. On the contrary, Correct. every single they politician. All do that. And then some so do that. he promoted the idea that said, I didn't go to the coattail, it wasn't available, but I was wearing Talin and Tfilin, and I want my public to know that. He promoted it. Yeah, because that's so him. you're okay with it. Because okay. he somebody wears Talin and Tfilin, just as much as other politicians go to the cartel, just as much as other politicians you know, cook uh, cheesecake before Shavuot and they post it on their Instagram, just because other politicians go with family holidays and post Meaning, in a world where where people harness image both to tell a story about themselves and perhaps also communicate deep values to their current and prospective voters. Is that part of the thinking? I, likely so. Obviously, I, I'm not so naive to not think that there may maybe some measure of uh, deliberate uh, thinking or reasoning behind this. But I, that doesn't necessarily force me to be cynical. I put, you know, I daven every day. If I, and and if, I, if I was, you know, in fact, I want to tell you a brief, brief story, Okay. It kind of it was very very strange. You know, I I, uh, I answer questions for people. I help people, and, and somebody uh, a few weeks ago, that most of the people I help know me, but then somebody said, "Who are you?" I don't know. You know, why why do you think you can you know answer anything? You know, what makes you a rabbi? So I realized one second, I'm now helping people that who don't know me. They want to know about me, and for me that was very strange. Like I could say, "Well, I am who I am," kind of get over it, or I could tell a little bit of my story. And I was of two minds, like, who am I? Who did I learn from, et cetera, et cetera. Because it was as if I was trying to kind of prove my religious credentials, which which totally goes against the grain of who I am. It's kind of almost distasteful, right? What I'm, But in a world where people want to know who you're talking to, it's reasonable to give some kind of de- depiction of who you are when they're not sure who you are. And so I actually realized, what I need to get off my high horse. They don't know me. Maybe I can help them. But they also don't want to 
go to uh, get get guidance from people who aren't serious. I should tell them a little bit about me, and then uh, you know they can make their own minds up. But- yeah. You know, we, we live in a world where restaurants have hechsherim, right, which prove so, so-called they're kashras, right? People talk, give resumes which prove so-called their experience. Here, the Rosh Memshallah is somebody who embodies certain values, represents people, and part of it is somebody who puts on talit tefillin every day, and, and part of that was shared. I, I mean, I don't think... I should view that any more cynically than almost any other picture of any other politician or, truth be told, almost any other promotion of any other person working in fields where promotion is necessary. Like Monofshach, in this world where, where musicians go out of their way to, to, to make sure that every you know, hair on their head is, is beautiful, right? So the prime minister wishes to convey to his people uh, a little bit more about him. We could be cynical. We could be a little bit more generous of spirit. I don't know him. I know but from my perspective, you know, somebody davens when they're going to have a big meeting. That's a big deal. Shkayach to him. Halavai. People should take that tefillah seriously. And halavai. Truth be, I'm quite sure many people found it emotional uh, because they thought, well, and let's not forget. There were, plenty, there were also pictures of, of Menachem Begin when he went to consult with Moshe, with Rav Soloveitchik before. He also went to Camp David, and, and we thought, wow, a person's consulting the Bonim. Those pictures were shared. There are pictures of people who went to see the Lubavitcher Rebbe. We say, wow. Meaning, if we reject image, let's do that consistently. If we allow it, let's do it consistently. But uh, I don't re- have any reason to pick on him any more than anybody else. Molly, respond. Um, I'm, so I'm a little bit more, you know, um, John used the word cynical, whatever the word is there. I think Bennett is a <laughs> fundamentally political creature. Um, but that's okay. I, I don't expect, I, it's fine. I also, to give him his due, I think he's also very, that he has principles and he, he's serious about his principles. I don't view him as a, you know, a, a, a political creature devoid of ideology and devoid of beliefs and devoid of principles. I think he has those also. But So I guess my takeaway from it is that like, you know what? I'm happy that we're living in a time when he, when when putting out a picture of the Rosh Memshalah where dressed in Talison's fill-in is a positive photo op that can be used for political gain. Um, I think that that's that's a a that's a, that's a good time in history to be living in, and b I think it is to Bennett's credit because not every religious person is able to send out a message that I'm religious. With with and 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 turning it into an advantage and not have it, and not have it either not have it trigger people, threaten people, um, create, you know, and have it go over smoothly, at at worst and positively at best. And 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 for that, I will say like, great. I'm glad. I'm glad that religion is is being presented in that way. That's only good for religion, and I, I think it's good for the Jewish people. So actually, that's interesting. You say that. I hadn't thought about it that way. I think this conversation helped me understand why it bothered me, because at the beginning of your the, the beginning of your um, of this conversation, Molly said, "You know, I, I don't think of Bennett as wearing his religion on his sleeve. He's a prime minister who happens to be religious, and I think he does it on purpose. Meaning, saying, don't expect me to stand up and speak for religion because that's not what I do. I am a prime minister for all of Israel, and I happen to be religious." But then you want to have your cake and eat it too, because then you want to promote yourself for the religious public as, oh, I'm Ispala for the Rosh Hashanah before I meet with Joe Biden. You know, I'm a religious person. So to me, it's it like, I guess, I mean, there's a politician. It's not the end of the world, but you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. Don't judge me for being religious, but give me all the credit in the world for being religious. And it doesn't work that way. If you want to get the credit for being religious, then I expect you to act religious in other areas. And if not, then don't push it in our faces that you're the prime minister who wears Talis and Tefillin before you go. That's uh, that was. I think now I I, I I have a good sense of why it bothered me. But what's your tina? As if to say you're coming with some kind of claim that that's not what he's doing, other than uh, what he said and then what he did. You know when he came to power. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, you, you could say again. You can say. I'm, that to, I'm, uh, I'm not going to mention names. Every mayor who went to see Rebbeim Kanievsky and their pictures of them, right? Every I, don't know, I, actually, I actually don't understand that at all. I hate when they do that. As like, yeah. maybe finally, that's we're figuring out. Like we again, we discuss these things over and over on this podcast. We're figuring out how to be religious in the public sphere in a healthy way. Like maybe he's opening some doors and opening some 
new options and opportunities that are going to be healthy for, for religion and healthy for the Jewish state. I'm willing to accept that and think about it and consider it as well. Okay, uh, I think we should stop here. Johnny, you wanted to add one more point? You have your hand up or like you're ready to say something, but I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say one quick thing. Uh, a couple of months ago, uh, I bought some of the chubas of River M. Hakoin. Um, and uh, and uh, he has a chelek on pikuach nefesh. It's fascinating, chuvot about pikuach nefesh, how they apply in public and private. And at the end of one of the chapters, he discusses the permissibility, well, the question as to whether it's appropriate for Rosh Moatza to go to Makoma Pigua on Shabbat, right? Is that justified for basically a, a local political leader to a place where tragedy has taken place uh, or is that not? I mean, the person isn't saving lives. Uh, and it's important to know, and this is what he emphasized in a number of his chubas, but this is reflected in many other chubas elsewhere. There's something called morale, you know. And uh, sometimes being somewhere uh, it, with the right appearance in the right way boosts something which is hard to measure, but certainly present. Uh, I can't tell you how we know morale is boosted, nor can I necessarily tell you that that's exactly what happens when the Rosh Memshala is wearing kippah or is giving a dvat or anshul or does this, that, and the other. But as a Jew who has a kippah, I see that and I say, huh, that's, that's good. And uh, there's, there's something um, pretty significant, I'd say perhaps even mystically uh, significant, where somebody who need not do this, meaning who could perhaps do equally well without this, chooses to do so, it boosts morale, uh, and it, and it uh, gives chizuk, I think, to the Neshama of Am Yisrael. And the Neshama of Am Yisrael is, uh, is, is pretty amazing. So I thought I'd just add that point. I think it's a great way to, it's a great place it to, it's a great place to stop. I, I apologize to our listeners. I shouldn't have tried to conclude the podcast without having Johnny's conclusion who like, you know, concretizes our thoughts in a better way than we can. I have to remember to get back to that. We are not going to do a Hamlatza this week because I totally forgot about it. Molly, do you have a Hamlatza? Do you remember? <laughs> no, great. I forgot to remind you. We'll get back to that next week. Uh, please God, I want to thank Rabbi Nimali Brevsky and Rabbi Johnny Solomon. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. If you're not new, ask yourself this question. How many people have you shared this podcast with in the past week? Because if it's less than seven, you're not holding up your weight. So um, just remember to share and share alike. Spread the R's, the goodness. All right, I want to thank my son, Batavia, for writing our music. Have a great week, everybody.